so nice to be back here talking to myself again. This is episode 14. My name is Macy, and you're listening to Reels and Records. Today we're talking about such a great film. It is the directorial debut of Charlotte Wells, and it stars some of my most favorites ever, Paul Maskell um, and Frankie Corio. Today we're talking about the poignant and autobiographical exploration of nostalgia and grief that is the film After Sun. If you haven't seen the movie, this episode might not make much sense, so either uh, do that or you can just listen to me recapitulate the idea of it. (laughs) After Sun is about a girl named Sophie who is looking back on her younger self, specifically a memory she has of her and her dad, Callum, uh, going on a vacation together in the late 90s-ish. Her memories often manifest through shaky old home video footage that a much younger Sophie took on the trip. It's an intimate and heartwarming view of a father and daughter relationship, and it focuses a lot on all that Callum was mentally going through at the time, through the lens of a child. And Sophie's later knowledge in adulthood, we watch Sophie learn about the father she was only able to have until the end of that trip. The film is scored by Oliver Coates, a cellist, composer, and producer from London. Uh, Coates was also one of the musicians for the film Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson, which is an absolutely stunning score. Um, He's credited for one song on the Euphoria soundtrack as well. It's called Madre. Uh, The score for this film as a whole just completely captures the feelings of nostalgia and reminiscing the glow of childhood and the loss of it at the same time. It's full of reverb and echoing, glittering synth sounds. It's almost like the kind of music a guided meditation would have. And then it's tainted by grief ever so slightly in periods of unresolution and jittering anxious noises. Some of the tracks are just drones and others are slightly more complicated, but as a whole, the songs blend together in my brain in a very interesting way. I don't think I could hear one and tell you its title, except for the singles slash standouts, but but what better way to exhibit a head full of blurring memories? A Pitchfork article written by Colin Joyce says that Coates credits sound designer Johan Nilsson for tricking the algorithm of an audio software into extracting percussion or bass or vocals where there is none. Even the simplest tracks feel haunted, shimmering with unexpected life. Even just the act of trying to extract tones or frequencies that aren't there is a perfect explanation of the movie and of trying to hold on to fading memories. There's also a small description of the album that describes its production and correlation to the film perfectly. Um, It says... The score, lighter and more delicate than Oliver Coates' previously released music, functions as shadows or half-glimpses of a glowing form of ambient music which adds emotional color to the cinematography. After Sun features a song that's called One Without, the much-talked-about piece of music used in the final scene and credits, the one that audiences have been known to sit in silence through the credits for. One Without was made away from the film after the composer's first meeting with Charlotte Wells, the director, On it, the strings are reversed and sped up a little. Each harmony has the next chord bleeding into it because of the reversed tails. The string vibrato is slightly unreal because the playback is faster, and Coates explains that the whole score is derived from the music within its final piece. That's so fascinating, and I've been been taking um, music production classes and and like trying to learn it on my own 
And stuff like this is why, is the whole reason why that I want to do stuff like that. Because it's so fascinating how much of the story you can tell in just the way that you produce the music. So cool. Okay, back to the quote. The film is a poetic meditation and gradual emotional arc towards the presence of absence, of another story not revealed. It is the light of the camera work, the physical gait of the actors, and the music which come together in a climactic resolution. Coates' score stands for memory within the film, a growing awareness that the film might be a memory trawl to try and make sense of trauma. The score makes the film feel like it is starting to become self-aware, like a film within a film. I'm so sorry that this quote is so long. It's just hit after hit. Over time, the score develops and helps the viewer move beyond the naturalistic and the diegetic. It is made of simple elements, old synths, reversed and slowed down strings. These, the composer explains, gradually reveal the sluggishness in Callum's demeanor, suggesting something hanging over him. Okay, that was a long quote, but every single line is so perfectly crafted to communicate exactly what I'm trying to say about this soundtrack. It's so vastly different from anything else that I can think of. It has some similar themes to the Eternal Sunshine soundtrack, but even then, it's so much more modern and thought out in its production. There's something about ambient music like this too. There's just something about it. And I wish I could put words to what that feeling is. Um, it's so hard. An almost comparable score is the um, A Silent Voice soundtrack, which is an anime movie. Um, there are like these fluttering synths and bells and ambience consistently throughout the entire score. Um, and it sounds similar. Um, but that score, I feel like, is a lot more joyful than this one, even though that movie is also extremely sad. But the Aftersun score is the embodiment of dreaming, nightmares and all. It's resonant and droning and full of so many textures while still keeping a distance in between itself and the listener. It feels just out of reach in the same way that dreams feel. It's also just impressive that the album could stand alone without the film in front of it, and it would communicate the same message. Not that I would ever opt out of its benefits inside of the movie. It is perfectly fitted for the film, especially because After Sun is generally a pretty quiet movie. Um, I specifically want to talk about the last track in the score. It's called Last Dance. It begins similarly to the rest of the score, soft and ambient with layered strings and repetition and drones, which reflects so nicely the major use of a tape recorder throughout the entire film. It reflects those same sounds. Uh, this track really stands out from the rest in that it doesn't stay mellow or distant throughout its entirety. A little before halfway through the song, we start to hear more aggression in the strings. And then there's this upper strings glissando, which is painstakingly eerie, juxtaposed with the rest of this delicately soft score. The tension builds up, though still easing in and out, and it becomes so emotionally dense while still featuring more fluttering bits of instrumental anxiety than ever. And then underneath all of that, the melody shines through and it's familiar to us. And we realize that it is the melody from David Bowie and Queens Under Pressure. Deliberately dramatized, absolutely heart-slaughtering. It's a masterpiece of a song to use in such a uniquely artistic way. It's unexpected, but we all know it. 
and it's an older classic, and yet it still comes back to you instantly. And it carries emotions and memories for everyone, no matter what age. This is what the entire movie is trying to portray. The passage of time that separates us from our memories, and the desperate quest to hold on to them. Under Pressure is not only sampled in the final track of the score, it's also used in one of the final scenes of the movie. The scene begins with Sophie and Callum eating dinner at a restaurant. They take a Polaroid together and talk about staying on vacation forever while we watch the photo develop, which is a beautiful idea, and I will tell you why right now. It is such a sweet way of showing the memories that will play in Sophie's head while looking at that picture. She'll remember the conversation they had, but she'll only get to look at that one moment in time. So the director put us in that position too. It's perfect. The start of the song lures Callum and the reluctant Sophie to the dance floor. Sophie insists that she doesn't dance, and Callum pulls the classic dad-embarrassing-daughter dance moves. During the scene, there are constant flashbacks and forwards to um, an older Sophie dancing in a club, a rave type thing, and a younger Sophie watching her father dance. And it all happens within these spastic flashes of darkness, and we only see one frame of Callum dancing at a time, which once again <laughs> creates a perfect illusion to the father that older Sophie has limited access to through the photos that she has. This sequence of Callum dancing also very well showcases his loosening grip on life and his slipping mental state. And then we watch Sophie as she watches him. She's taking in the moment, being influenced by him to come dance, and you can tell that this is a moment that she's going to remember, probably too well. And then they're both dancing, and we're seeing glimpses of the older Sophie in the crowd, and the lyrics of Under Pressure are, It's the terror of knowing what this world is about, watching some good friends screaming, let me out. Pray tomorrow gets me higher, higher, high, pressure on people, people on streets. And then, and then... The original instrumental of the song cuts, and we hear the track Last Dance bleeding into the song, replacing those backing instrumentals. And we just start to pay so much more attention to the lyrics because of it. It says, turned away from it all like a blind man, sat on the fence, but it don't work. Keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn. Why, why, why? And the high note that Freddie Mercury hits when singing that last Y morphs into this yearning, wailing, weeping violin while Callum and Sophie are hugging each other so tightly. And in this insane buildup of tension, darkness is still flashing in and out like the small bits of memories we can't fully connect together from our past. And Bowie is singing, can't we just give ourselves one more chance? Why can't we give love that one more chance? Why can't we give love? And the tension builds even further, and it just won't break because that's just how grief is. And then we hear the part of the song that always gives me chills. He says, Because love's such an old-fashioned word, and love dares you to care for the people on the edge of the night, and love dares you to change our way of caring about ourselves. And we see close-ups of Callum from Sophie's perspective. We see flashes of older Sophie paralleled and match-cut into the younger Sophie. And it feels like Callum is getting more and more distant in between the strobe lights. And in the last couple seconds, he's completely gone, and Sophie is all alone. And then the last line in the song. This is our last dance. This is our last dance. What? And it, and it was. 
the very end of the film is a DV camcorder video of Callum saying goodbye to Sophie as she gets on the plane to go home. It's the sweetest moment where she'll disappear into the gate and pop back up again and come back to see her dad one more more time and it's so lighthearted and she's just playing around with him and she has no idea that those are her last few moments and that those few moments will mean everything to her later on and then they say I love you to each other and then the video ends and then um this camera slowly pans over um and it gives the audience a lot of time to process because we're now in a completely new setting um it's an apartment and it's um looks very modern compared to the previous scenes um and then we see that the older sophie is the one who is watching all of these tapes back and the camera doesn't stop panning too which um when it reaches her which i think is really a beautiful choice um and then track two comes in the music starts playing and it's called one without we talked about that one very briefly um the camera keeps panning into the wall, and then it seemingly transitions into a shot of Callum back at the airport holding the camcorder, the previous scene. Uh, he stops the recording, he sighs, he turns to leave, and then he walks to the end of the hall and th- goes through the doors. And through the doors we see these familiar flashes of st- strobe lights from the previous um, rave scene, and he walks back into the memories of Sophie, where he'll live on forever in that moment of time. And then it ends. It cuts to black. The peaceful haunting of the song continues. The whole soundtrack captures this, but especially inside of this ending song. There's so much grief inside of it, and grief itself contains a lot of things. Uh, There's shimmering joy and overwhelming love, as well as pain. Um, A lot of critics and people disliked the quietness of the film, the over-obscurity, and the lack of resolution. But the fact is that grief does not resolve a lot of the time. It just gets resurfaced again and again, and that's the most realistic depiction I've seen of it in a while. And it's a story that is based off of the director's real life and experiences, so I don't think that there's any room for criticizing its melodrama, its elusivity, its ungratifying ending, which I'm putting finger quotation marks around ungratifying, but um, because it is very much that to me. It feels feels satisfying to me to see films um, that are brave enough to depict real life. I think those are most of the time my favorites. Um, But yeah, thanks so much for listening. Um, to this episode. I'm sorry it took so long for me to finish it up. Um, I wanted to be very thorough about the meaning of this film and about what the music means, just because it means so much to a lot of people. Um, But thanks for tuning in. This has been Reels and Records, and I hope the rest of your day is so fun and cool and awesome. Uh, Yeah, bye!